All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Welcome, everyone on social media. So glad to have you with us today. Um, right. Hey, right before I get into the message, I, I, I think it is incumbent upon ministers to uh, uh, speak about the events of this last week. Um, and the only thing I'm going to say right now about it is the Lord's given me a message uh, for, for a couple weeks from now that, that I'm going to share concerning the things that have been going on. But uh, uh, my wife gave me a, a prophecy that I had given here in this church last September. And uh, she just handed it to me yesterday. And she had gone back and looked, looked over some things. And, and uh, it, 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 uh, I was astounded when, when I listened to it again. Uh, what the Lord had uh, told us last September and talked about the events of this uh, this last week. And uh, see, that's when God gives a prophecy, it's, it's not to draw attention to the person giving it, but it's to uh, get the people of God ready for major events that's coming on the scene. And the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. And so that's what that prophecy was that the Lord gave me last September, was to get us ready for what we saw this last week. And yet, what is to come? So... Anyway, uh, let's stay attuned to the Spirit of God. I'll say more about this in a couple of weeks. Uh, um, the Spirit of God, as I said, has given me a message concerning the prophet's ministry and, and, and all the prophecies that you've heard over the last several months and the last year. And I'm, the Lord wants me to talk about those things. And, and um, uh, so, but, but He just won't let me share it uh, about two weeks and then, then we'll give it out, okay? So in the meantime, uh, keep the country in your prayers and pray for peace. Pray for peace. Pray for peace. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll say more about it as we go. Like I said, in a couple of weeks. So, but I, I felt I needed to say that before we got into the message. So, so anyway, uh, today I want to talk to you about spots and wrinkles. Spots and wrinkles. You say spots and wrinkles. What an interesting title. But uh, I'll start out by just giving a little what I think is, is kind of a, a humorous story. Uh, uh, many, 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 many years ago, I had uh, I had bought a, a, a new suit. It was a oh, it's it pretty. It, it was a Glen Plaid, you know, black and white suit, and uh, it had a little light blue stripe running through it. And and man, <laughs> I mean, that was a pretty suit. I, I, that, that was back when I wore suits on every Sunday, you know. And uh, um, but that's a pretty suit. So I was looking forward to wearing it brand new first day I ever wore it. And so I preached the message in it. You know, I had a tie to match that light blue stripe that went through. Oh, it was a pretty suit. But anyway, after the service, I'm greeting back at the door as, as you know, as my was my custom there, you know. And uh, after everybody had gone through, there was this little, I guess he was probably about five years old, this little kid that was, I looked down and he was standing there and he, Pastor, will you pick me up? And so, you know, how do you, how do you not pick up the little boy? You know, how do you not pick him up? And so, so I picked him up and, oh, he was so cute, you know, and he, and he had laid his head on my shoulder, you know, and, and, and I was kind of patting him on the back and standing right there in that doorway back there. And, uh, in just a couple of moments, his mother comes down the hall and she looks at me and she goes, <gasps> and I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done to her child? And, 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 and so I sat the child down and she says, Pastor, I'm so sorry about your suit. <laughs> my suit. Well, I didn't know the little boy had a Tootsie Roll in his mouth and he laid his head right here and he slobbered that Tootsie Roll all over my suit. Had a terrible spot in the thing. It was terrible. It was about, oh, I don't know, it was about that big around. It was all over my shoulder. And it was, it was nasty. And so I, 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 you know, what are you going to do with my new suit? And so, uh, so, so uh, I, 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 I took it to the cleaners, uh, the one nearby right here. I, I took it to the cleaners because I'd learned a long time ago when you get a spot in something like that, you don't work on getting it out yourself. 
And I learned that from actually the cleaner over there because sometime earlier, now this many years ago, but sometime before this suit deal happened to me, my wife had, something had happened to one of her garments. And she's real good about getting spots and things out, but she had worked on this particular garment. Like she had done like three different major things to it to get one of her garments, to get, get, get something or other out. And she had taken it to this same cleaner's now, this was before this suit incident. And, uh, and so she finally, after three attempts, she couldn't get the thing, whatever it was, out of her garment. So she took it to this same cleaners. And, and uh, I, I, I actually, I had to go over there to get for another item that I was taking in, not the suit. This happened before the suit. And I remember this cleaner, I'd gotten to know him a little bit. He knew I was a pastor. I didn't know much more about him than that. But he was out there, he was out there in front smoking a cigarette. He was kind of a finicky guy, kind of hyper. And I said, what's wrong? He said, he said, pastor, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, this lady, she brought this garment in and, uh, and, 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 and she's done about three different things to it. And it's the, it's the biggest mess I've ever seen. She said, it, 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 he didn't know she, he was telling me about my wife, you know. <laughs> he said, it's just a mess. He said, he's smoking that cigarette. He said, it's just, it's a mess. He said, if, if people would just bring stuff to me before they try these ham-handed things to try to get things out, he said, I could do something. But this one's beyond repair, you know. And I, I didn't tell him, you know, because I knew what, from his description, he was telling me about my wife, you know. And so he never could get that thing out. So I learned there, there when he told me, he said, when you get a spot in something, you know, you bring it to the professionals. And uh, it, it, he said, if this, if this lady would have just brought it to me first maybe I could have done something so so I learned you take it in so I took my suit in with that slobber of Tootsie Roll on it because I'm not going to after that I'm not going to try to fool with it myself I'm not even going to let my wife try to get it out you know and so I take it in there and so uh, they didn't get it out they, they mostly got it out first try so I took it back and they they tried with my new suit and they couldn't, they, they couldn't get it out, you know, the second time. They all, all, almost, almost got it out. So I took it in a third time and, and I didn't really feel like they were doing everything that they should maybe to get it out. You know, I wanted that spot out because this is my brand new suit. You know, I want that spot out. And so I'm standing there the third time and going through this with the lady there, you know, at the counter. You know, I want that, that Tootsie Roll. I, want it, I don't want any, any trace of it. I want it completely gone. And, sir, we're, you know, we've done everything we, we could. And I didn't think they did everything they could. And have you ever got in a moment where you're about to get over in the flesh, you know, and you're about to let your flesh manifest and just go off? And I'm standing there and I was just getting ready to go off on. And I noticed that what, when I was getting ready to, to, to go off, on this lady, which I seldom ever do, but we all have our push points where we get to, you know, and I noticed somebody had come in the door, but I didn't know who it was. I just knew there, you know how somebody comes in. I didn't know who it was. They were standing over here and, you know, there's just me and the person there, you know, and this somebody had come in and I was about ready to go off, you know, and, uh, but I didn't do it. And, and, and I said, well, just try again. Just try, try to get it out again. I was very nice, very sweet. And I looked over. It was Rick Shelton, Pastor Rick Shelton. If you don't know him, he's one of the most excellent pastors, you know, that, that, that you could have right here in the area. You know, and, and this was years ago. But he had come in and, and, and he knew who I was. You know, I know him a lot more than he would know who I was. But but I, but, you know, and I thought. I thought, I'm so glad I didn't let my flesh manifest, you know, in front of him there. (laughs) But, you know, then I got to thinking, you know, he was just watching that one time. The Lord's watching all the time, isn't he? So we we ought to behave ourselves all the time, you know. But they never did get that spot out. So I had to I had to trash it and do away with it. But you see, I got a spot in my suit and he couldn't get it out. Well, that's a natural garment. I want to talk to you today about spots and wrinkles in our spiritual garments. Now, notice in Ephesians, the fifth chapter and the 25th verse, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, that's the church, with the washing, notice this, notice this, with the washing of water by the word. 
So the, the teaching and preaching of the word of God and the reading and the studying of the word of God, there's a washing that takes place just by hearing the word of God, by reading and studying the word of God, there's a washing that takes place. And we're talking about spots and wrinkles and getting spots and wrinkles out of spiritual garments. And then it says in verse 27, so there's a washing of water by the word that, that he might present her, the church, to himself. Notice a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle. You see that? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. Now notice here, something we learn uh, is that, and let me just read from my notes. The church in the United States needs to shine with God's glory right now like never before. The church in the United States, the church in the United States needs to be a solution to the problem, not part of the problem that we're facing. The church in the United States needs to shine with God's glory like never before. Christians, now listen, cannot have the glory of God about them with garments that are spotted and wrinkled. Do you ever notice here that you have a choice between being a glorious church or a church that's spotted and wrinkled and blemished? That those are the choices that we have as Christians. We can either have the glory of God about us or we can have spots, wrinkles and blemishes about us. It's our choice, but you can't have both. You can't have both. You need to understand that. And I'm going to show you here as we go how the church can have spiritual garments that are spotted and wrinkled and that are spotted and wrinkled and I better stand still here or <laughs> make it all kinds of noise. But anyway, uh, the, the church is either going to have glory about it or spots and wrinkles and blemishes. But you can't have them both. I said you can't have them both. I don't know about you, but I want to be a glorious church. I don't want to be a spotted, wrinkled, blemished, blemished church with no glory about it. And again, the scripture here is making reference to our spiritual garments when it talks about spots and wrinkles and blemishes. Now, you need to realize before we get born again... As, as sinners, before we get saved, come to Jesus and get saved, our spiritual garments are dirty like filthy rags. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. That's before we get saved, before we repent of our sins and, and receive Jesus. Our, 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 our spiritual garments are like filthy rags. But when we come to the Lord and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, the Bible says again in the book of Isaiah that he's clothed us with garments of salvation and covers us with a robe of righteousness. Amen. And that's wonderful. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. Isn't that wonderful? Washed and of course we're washed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual washing. And you're washed. You're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Isn't that wonderful? That, 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 that our spiritual garments can go from filthy rags to brand spanking new, a robe of righteousness, garment of salvation, white as snow. Isn't that wonderful? And then in Revelation chapter 7, the book of Revelation chapter 7 verse 13 
Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these who are arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. Uh, so he said to me, These are the ones who came out of great tribulation and watches and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's the blood of Jesus. See, that's what the blood of Jesus does for our spiritual garments. Makes them white as snow. And, that, and, and that's wonderful. From filthy rags to white as snow. But here's the thing. After we get born again, you need to realize it is possible for our spiritual garments to become spotted and wrinkled. Spotted and wrinkled. Now, if you go to Revelation chapter 3, in this church here, there were seven churches listed and mentioned in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. I'm going to center in on one of them here today, here in just a moment. And it's the church in Sardis. But just for now, I want to show you something, and then we'll come right back to this in just a few moments. But notice here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 4. It says, the Lord Jesus is speaking to the Apostle John, who's giving the message to this pastor here in Sardis. And he says, you have a few names, even in, now notice there's a few, just a few. He's talking about a local church here. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So notice here we have a local church and most of the people, I'm talking Christians now in that church, have defiled their garments. There were only a few, think about this, in a church, local church, there were only a few who had not defiled their garments. And those were the ones that Jesus said would walk with him in white, but all the others had defiled their garments. Their garments that were once clean, without spot or wrinkle, but now they're spotted, they're wrinkled, and they're defiled. Now I'm going to talk to you in just a moment a little bit more about how that happened in this church. But I just wanted to use this verse right now to show you that it is possible that after our robes are clean and washed and all of that, that they can get spotted and wrinkled. Now look at 2 Peter 3, verse 14, just a little more on this. 2 Peter 3, 14. There, now Peter writes, and he says, Therefore, beloved, speaking to Christians, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him, to be found by the Lord Jesus, in peace, notice, in peace, without spot and blameless. So he's saying that we as Christians need to be sure that we're found by the Lord without spot and blameless. And then, well actually, the question would rise, I guess, is pastor, how do our spiritual garments get spotted and wrinkled after we're saved? How does that happen? Well, go to Jude, if you would. The book of Jude, there's only one chapter. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. I usually use the New King James, but look at this. Verse 22, the Bible says here, Jude says here, and actually the Holy Spirit through Jude says, and of some have compassion making a difference. Now, of course, this is talking about soul winning and the best way to get people saved is to show them the goodness of God. But he said others who won't respond to the goodness of God save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. That's talking out of the fire of hell. Hating even the what? The garment spotted by the flesh. See, once we get born again. See, before we come to Jesus, our garments are like filthy rags. Once we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, His blood washes us white as snow. Whiter than snow. You understand that? But after we get saved, it is possible... For our garments to become spotted and wrinkled and blemished and defiled. And how does that happen? It happens by yielding to your flesh. Remember I told you a while ago when I was in that dry cleaners and they couldn't get the spot out? Remember I said I I almost yielded to my flesh? I almost acted unbecomingly to that uh, 
clerk that was working at the dry cleaners. See, and I was glad that I didn't, you know, because, you know, the pastor there that came in would have seen me act like, you know, act badly. But see, if I would have yielded to my flesh and had a temper fit or whatever and acted unbecomingly, what would have happened right there? My garment would have been spotted. It would have been wrinkled. You understand that? And, uh, and, and, and so you see, that's how our garments, after we get saved, get spotted and wrinkled by yielding to our flesh. You see, the Apostle Paul himself said in the book of Romans, he said, he said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh. See, when we get saved, when we come to Jesus and get saved, our spirits are born again. Our spirits are regenerated. But our, but our flesh is not. The Bible calls our flesh the old man. You understand, the new man is the person on the inside that gets changed when we receive Jesus. But we still have this old man to deal with this, this, this flesh, if you will. Not talking about your physical body so much. I'm talking about that, that sin principle that, that doesn't get changed when we get born again. That we still have to, the Apostle Paul said, that I keep under my body. Do you remember him saying that? Or I keep my flesh under control. Now, everybody in here has to deal with this. We all have to keep our flesh under control. Keep our mouths under control. Is that right? Keep our actions under control. And when we don't do that and we yield to our flesh, then what happens is, is we, it's sin is what it is. And, and our garments become spotted and our spiritual garments become spotted and wrinkled. And... Uh, Somebody might say, well, pastor, you know, what do you mean works like like flesh, yielding to the flesh? Well, go to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Let me let me give you a list of things or let the Bible will give you a list of things that that are, are known as the works of the flesh. And when we do these things, we spot and wrinkle our garments. Notice Galatians, the fifth chapter in the 19th verse, Galatians 519. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Those are sexual sins. See, when Christians, he's writing to Christians here. And when Christians partake in these things, they're, 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 they're sinning and they're, they're spotting their spiritual garments. They're defiling their spiritual garments. And he goes on in verse 20, idolatry. Now, I spent a whole message on that last week. Idolatry, when you let anything become more important to you than, than God, when, when the cause of anything you take up is more important to you than the cause of Christ. You understand that? That's idolatry. Sorcery, witchcraft, hatred, contentions, strife, disputing, quarreling, these kinds of things, jealousies, outbursts of wrath or anger. See, that would have applied to me there in the dry cleaners, you know, which I already told you about. Uh, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions. Now listen to this, dissensions. That word means no respect for authority. Uh, sedition or insurrection, see? That's a work of the flesh. That's not a work of the spirit, that's a work of the flesh. You need to realize that when, when Christians yield themselves to these things, their, their, their spiritual garments get spotted and wrinkled, you see. And then heresies. Well, that would have to do with following doctrine not in line with the Word of God. And then it goes on envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries. What is a revelry? Well, that word means a wild, riotous, orgy-like party. And, and the like. So there's other things that, you, that he could have put in this list that he didn't, but, but this pretty well sums it up. He says, now watch this, of which I tell you beforehand... Just as I told you in time past that those who practice, didn't say blunder and make a mistake, it said practice. Such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's speaking to Christians here. It's a very sobering thing. He's not speaking to sinners here. He's writing to Christians. And when Christians do these things, their garments are spotted and wrinkled and defiled. But when Christians practice these things, 
the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that might play with your theology just a little bit or some of the things you've been taught. But I'm telling you, it's, I'm just reading it. It's right in line with the word of God. It is the word of God, what I just read to you. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians. He's warning them about these works of the flesh that if you yield to them, you can get your, your, your spiritual garments spotted and wrinkled. And if you practice them, a dire warning is given. You'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to Revelation, the third chapter. Like I said, I was going to a moment ago. Let's go back there and let me read you some verses about this church in Sardis. He said he's talking to a local church here. And he said most of the people, most of the Christians in that church, their garments had become defiled. There were only a few in the church where their garments had not become defiled. Those were the ones that would walk with him in white. But these others, many, many of them, most of them, almost all of them. He said there were only a few that hadn't spotted their garments and defiled them. And I'm going to read some verses to you and then I'm going to tell you about this church in Sardis and why, why, why it was so. Why their garments were so soiled. Now look here in Revelation 3 verse 1, and to the angel, or this is to the pastor, the messenger, the pastor of the church in Sardis. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Now there's not seven Holy Spirits, there's one Holy Spirit, but he has a sevenfold work or ministry. I don't have time to get into that this morning, but he's talking about the, the Holy Ghost here. He, he says these things says he, talking about Jesus, Jesus is talking here. And he says, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Those are the pastors of those churches. And now we're talking about the one in Sardis. I know your works that you have it. Now watch this. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Think about that. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come to you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, now we read this a moment ago, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. That lines right up with what we just read a moment ago about Christians that practice the sins of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this church. Sardis is known as the dead church. He said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. So theologians typically call this church the dead church. Now, now listen to this. One view about this church, one view about it, is that the, is that the congregation, for the most part, was lost and only a few were really saved. In other words, one view is, is that, that they, they, the, the congregation, most of them were lost, but there were only a few that were, that were truly saved. Now that's one view of it. Now this would fit the mold of many a church, alright, with a Christian name on the door, but only a few within that are, that truly know Jesus and are born again. Now, now, now certainly, you know as well as I do in this nation, there's a lot of churches that they have Christian name on the door, but most of the people that come have never been born again. Now, you understand that. They've never been preached the gospel that you need to be born again, you know, so, so that, that's one view of it. But, but I, I don't think that view applies here to Sardis. And, and, and I'll tell you why. However, if Jesus were writing to an unsaved organization, if this church in Sardis, if they were basically all unsaved, I believe his message would be much different than the one that we just read that he gave to Sardis, in that it would be a message centering solely on salvation. 
But he said a whole lot of other things to, the, to this church than just salvation. You know, as well as I do, if Jesus is going to preach a message to all lost people, he's going to preach something different than what he said here. He's going to center in solely on salvation. And by the way, unsaved people do not have to, let me, let me say this, unsaved people do not have clean garments to defile. An unsaved person has never had their garment washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Only a garment washed clean can become soiled or defiled. So these people, you understand, so these people at one time had clean garments, all right. When did they have clean garments? When they first got saved. But they weren't living as they should. They weren't living as Christians. I want to read this again. Only a garment washed clean can become soiled or defiled. See, these people, I want to say it again, they at one time had clean garments, clean, white as snow, but they, for some reason, their garments had become defiled. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment, how that happened. But their garments had become defiled. And, and, and again, I have to bear this out uh, and say it again. Unsaved people do not have clean garments to defile. An unsaved person has never had their garment washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So, uh, so, so, so only a garment washed clean can become soiled or defiled. So I want to say it again. These people, at, 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 at some point, they'd received Jesus. They had their garments, went from filthy rags to white as snow, clean and, and all of that. But something happened and their garments had become, and most of them, most everybody in the church, their garments had become defiled. One time clean, but now defiled. There were just a few. He said there were just a few who had not become defiled. Most of them had. Most of them had. They had clean garments at one point, but now they're defiled. What happened? Well, let me tell you. It appears that the church at Sardis once emphasized, now this is from my study of this church, over the many years of studying this church. I've studied all seven of them, but I'm talking about this one here today. It appears that the church at Sardis once emphasized the new birth and was led by the Holy Spirit. He mentioned the sevenfold work of the Holy Spirit. So, 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 uh, from my study of it, it appears that one time they emphasized the new birth and it was a church that was led by the Holy Spirit, but had fallen into a very deep spiritual sleep. Remember Jesus told them to watch? There's one version that translates that Jesus told them to wake up. And uh, then he also said, remember, therefore, how you have received. So they had received the gospel. We just read this. He said, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. And then he says, hold fast and, 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 and repent. So they had received Jesus. Their garments were clean. But now he's telling them, hey, wake up. Something happened. Their garments had become defiled. Now, as I said, Sardis is known as the dead church. However, it looked and appeared to be anything but. It's known as the dead church. But when you would look, drive by and look at it or look at the people that went there, if you didn't do further inspection, if you just looked at the people, the, the Christians that went there, they looked and the church looked like it was, was, was alive and successful and thriving. But Jesus said that it was dead. It appeared to be alive, but it was anything but. They had works, listen to this, they had works and a name that they were alive. See, they had works and a name that they were alive, a reputation, which implies a reputation. They had a reputation, they had fame. Popularity, programs, the church in Sardis was big on image and reputation. And this was a church that people flocked to and wanted to attend. The Sardis Christians appeared to live right and holy to all onlookers, yet they led a double life of sinful pleasure. And the spiritual leadership kept them quite comfortable in doing so. You don't want to attend a church where the pastor makes you comfortable in your sin. 
I've said this for years. Everybody that comes to Summit Church, I want you to feel welcome. But I, I say welcome, but not comfortable. What do I mean by that? I want everybody welcome. Everybody's welcome here at Summit Church. But I don't want anybody that comes here and attends here regularly, including me, to be comfortable if there's something in your life that shouldn't ought to be there. And what had happened here in this church is that people would come and certainly they're welcome, but they were never made to feel uncomfortable in their sin. Sardis could have been called a cathedral of consumption because the pastor designed it to feed the appetites of the consumer's worldly lifestyles. Sardis was the church that was too good to be true. You could be a Christian there, yet still live like the world. This church had become the perfect model of inoffensive Christianity. Can you see now why the people's garments were defiled? Because when they came to church, they were made to feel like it's all right to live in sin. It's not, it's not a problem. It's okay to be like the world. I'm here to today to tell you it's not okay for Christians to live like the world. It's not okay to act like sinners. It just isn't. But from my study of it, that was not the case in Sardis. Now, people were not... There was never any preaching done there that would convict anybody of their sin. Talking about Christians. We want everybody comfortable all the time. Now, I mean, I want to say this again. It had become the perfect model of inoffensive Christianity. And that's a problem we face in this nation. It's one of the reasons this nation is in the mess that it's in. Is the preaching from the pulpits, not all of them, but so many of them. Inoffensive Christianity. Everybody welcome and everybody comfortable. That's not what this Bible teaches. This Bible teaches everybody welcome, but nobody comfortable if there's things in your life that shouldn't ought to be there. And so these people would come, these Christians, they, they, they'd come to this church, they get, they get saved, they have white garments, but they were made to feel comfortable in their sin, and so they continued in sin. And, and, and people would look and see, and they would see that, hey, we got, this is a church, that's a lie, that must be a great popular, it's a great popular, wonderful church, it's alive, alive, alive. Jesus said that you have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. Jesus talked about scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites that outwardly they appeared unto men one way, but on the inside they were not so. Remember that? And that's what we had here in this church. These people were living a double life and they were made to feel comfortable in that. They could be one way or they would appear one way that to everybody, you know, looking on. That everything was fine, alive, everything wonderful. But it wasn't. It, he said they were dead. I'm going to tell you what, what, what that means here in a moment. Now listen to this. Nearby, the Sardis Church, listen to this, was a massive gymnasium with sexual orgy baths. Did you hear what I just said? Do I need to say that again? There, were, there was also a temple to a false god right nearby this church of Sardis. The gym with its sexual baths and the temple, as you study into this and look at history and whatnot, you can see that the gym with its sexual baths and the temple had an adverse effect on the church. Either the church gets into the world and affects it for good or the world gets into the church and affects it for bad. 
And this is what happened in Sardis. The world and idolatry, as you study into it, you see the world and idolatry got into the church. And the pastor did not warn his congregation about the dangers of sexual sin and the dangers of idolatry. I don't know if you were here last week, but last week the Holy Ghost had me standing in this pulpit warning the church here in this sanctuary and on social media about the dangers of idolatry. About the dangers of putting anything in front of the Lord. The dangers of being more zealous for whatever it may be or whoever it may be, more zealous for that than the Lord. I would have not been able to pastor the church in Sardis. They would have kicked me out. And as a result, you have a congregation like in Sardis, where the Christians appeared to be wonderful, but their garments were spotted and wrinkled and blemished and defiled. It's interesting that there was no indication of persecution or trouble from outside forces in this church. The Bible says all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But yet we see there was no evidence that these people were being persecuted. One of the largest synagogues was in Sardis, and typically the synagogue would persecute the church. No record of that. The Roman government wasn't even persecuting this church. What can we conclude? Well, the Bible says all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. They were suffering no persecution at all. The, the, the logical conclusion is they were not living godly. And we know that because their garments had been defiled. And also, there was, listen to this, neither was there any heresy in this church. There was no doctrine of Balaam, no doctrine of the Nicolaitans as mentioned in those other six churches, some of those other six churches. There was no heresy mentioned in this church, and that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. But what the bad thing was, is there was no doctrine at all. Apparently, no teaching of the Word of God whatsoever. I don't know if you realize this or not, but because I'm a student of this and, and, and I have a hat at home that has an O on it. It's an O hat. I call it my O hat. I, it means observation. I'm an observer. And uh, if you look at the United States, not all of them, but there's so many churches that doc, the doctrine of the word of God is not being taught. It, it, it's, it's, it's just more entertainment than it is anything else. And you wonder why the nation is in the mess that it's in. We must teach the doctrine of the Word of God. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. The doctrine of baptisms. The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. What have you, what have you tuned into your television and seen messages along those lines? They're there, but they're few and far between. Mostly messages of how to be successful and how to, you know, well, that, there's nothing wrong. We all want to be successful, but, but there's got to be, it's, the, the gospel in the United States has turned into a, a gospel of just centering it on prosperity and self-improvement and, 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 and it's very sad. And you wonder why the nation is in the mess that it's in. There's no doctrine being taught. I feed people with doctrine. And there are many in the land that do, but there are so many that don't. This church in Sardis, there was no doctrine at all. Perhaps the ice cream social was more important than the word of God in prayer. I'm trying to show you why these people's garments were spotted and wrinkled and defiled. Perhaps the ice cream social was more important than the word of God and prayer. Perhaps preaching was no longer focused on God and repentance, but had become watered down into a social gospel. Perhaps a lot of people attended the church because the message did not offend them. Perhaps sin was never mentioned and cheap grace was the message of the day. One of the most dangerous things in this nation right now is the preaching of cheap grace. 
I said cheap grace. If I had time, I'd go in and talk to you about that a little bit more. Maybe I'll do a series on it down the road somewhere. But cheap grace. It was one of the pitfalls of Germany that allowed Nazism to rise. Was the preaching of cheap grace. And you see that throughout the United States. And it was prevalent in the church in Sardis from my study. Sardis was trying so hard to entertain and please the world that they forgot what the church is all about. They had stopped doing their works and deeds for God. In all their desire to be popular, they were too busy to notice that the church had died. And I want to tell you by the Spirit of God, we ought to be involved with politics. But I tell you what, you get to, and, I, and the Spirit of God's had me stand up here for months now, and, and even over a year now, warning and warning and warning about this. Is that let's be involved in politics. Let's, I've, I've said it for years. Let's vote. Let's be involved. Let's be involved in prayer. Let's be involved in the vote. Let's be involved. Let's be involved. But I tell you what, we need to have more zeal for the Lord Jesus Christ than we do for politics and any man that sits in the Oval Office. And, and that's what the Holy Ghost has been warning and warning and saying in here all along now. We've got our priorities out of whack. Did you know you can have a dead church with thousands in attendance? Just because there's large attendance doesn't mean the church is alive. You can have large churches that are, that, that, that are commended by the Lord Jesus Christ and that are on fire for Him. A lot of times people think if the church has thousands and thousands and thousands of people that it's, it's, it's alive. Well, it could be dead. You could have small churches that are dead and small churches that are alive. Large churches that are dead, large churches that are alive. Size doesn't have anything to do with it. It has to do with the condition of the heart. And no doubt the church in Sardis had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. On top of... Listen to this. On top of all of this, it's interesting, the city of Sardis was wealthy and was built on a large hill. Sardis had the highest elevation of all of Asia Minor, where these seven churches were. Sardis had the highest elevation. And because of this high altitude, the city of Sardis had a bad attitude. The attitude was that we don't need to be watchful. We could never be overthrown by any enemy. The city was overconfident. And some say they did not have any watchmen. Others say the watchmen slept instead of keeping guard. And this lackadaisical attitude also got into the church. And they had an attitude, we don't have to be watchful. We can live however we want. Jesus would never judge us. And we know that because the Lord told them, and I read it to you, He said, watch, watch, be watchful, be watchful. Remember that? As a result, almost all the people in the church in Sardis were worldly or carnal Christians. They were practicing sin while claiming to be Christians. Alive in name only, they were leading a double life. Their garments were defiled, spotted, and wrinkled, and Jesus saw them as dead. And dead here means carnal, fleshly, worldly, out of fellowship with God, separated from a close walk with Jesus Christ. And this is a dangerous place for a Christian to be. As a whole, Sardis was not a glorious church. Remember I told you when I started this message, you can either have glory or spots and wrinkles. And they had spots and wrinkles. And they were not a glorious church. They had a name that they were. They had a reputation that they were. But Jesus said they were dead. Jesus called them to repentance. Now here's the good news. If your garments have become spotted and defiled or wrinkled, there's good news. 
you can get the spots out. And Jesus called them to repentance. He called them to watchfulness. He called them to overcome. He said in verse 5, Revelation 3, 5, He said, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Because they were not overcoming. And as a result, their spiritual garments had become defiled, spotted, and wrinkled. And he told them, rise up, repent, rise up, and overcome. Now what was it that the church in Sardis had to overcome? It wasn't persecution, as the other churches, many of them had to overcome in that area. But they weren't being persecuted, I told you that already. They didn't have to overcome heresy. I told you they didn't have heresy. They didn't even have any doctrine at all. They didn't have to overcome that. They didn't have to overcome poverty as some of those other churches. It was a wealthy church. But what they had to overcome, which we all have to overcome, is the spirit of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The biggest thing the church had to overcome there was the spirit of the world. And that's something that the United States has to overcome as well. Because there is a spirit of the world in the church of the United States like I have never seen it. And that's something that we are going to have to overcome here in the churches in the United States is the spirit of the world. And they were not overcoming that. They were yielding to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And as a result, their spirit, their, their, their spiritual garments were spotted, wrinkled, defiled, and they had no glory about it, about them, and Jesus said they were dead. Even though they appeared to be alive. And then he makes a statement, I already read it, but it bears repetition. Listen to this. He said, I will not, the, the person who overcomes, now listen to this, this is Revelation, five, uh, Revelation 3 verse 5, he says, to he who overcomes, watch this, shall be clothed in white garments. Now listen to this, see the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ washes us, all right? But I tell you what, there, and, this, and that has been preached. The blood of the Lamb. Thank God, that ought to be preached, first and foremost. But it also says, by the word of our testimony. Who has a testimony? Somebody who has overcome. And see, these people were not overcoming. And as a result of them not overcoming, they were yielding to the works of the flesh. The preacher was not ever challenging them with that. And so their, 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 their garments had become spotted and defiled. And, and he said here, he who overcomes will be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Now this is, this, this is good, but the people that overcome, their names won't be blotted out. But what about Christians who don't over, overcome? Logical, logical conclusion, their names will be blotted out. Now this is dangerous. This doesn't get preached a whole lot. And much could be said about this as it pertains to the city of Sardis and the local church about the, the blotting out of names. I don't have time for that right now. But more, And yet more could be said here as it pertains to theology because what I just said will upend a lot of people's theology. But I tell you what, the, the Bible's clear. There is a dangerous place to die. And Christians who practice sins of the flesh... We already read it to you twice, I believe. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. And they're in danger of having their names blotted out of the book of life. See, that doesn't get preached very much. But it's right in the Bible. I just read it to you. No, we can't earn our salvation. No, we can't be good enough to be saved. But it's dangerous when a Christian practices the sins of the flesh. The Bible is clear. God writes to Christians and warns them again and again and again. And the Christians in Sardis had not listened. And their garments were spotted and wrinkled. And he, his pastor, it's clear, he was not calling Christians to repentance. And their garments were defiled and spotted. So here's the thing. How do we get, in the time I have left, how do we get our spots and how do we get the spots and wrinkles out? 
How do we get the spots and wrinkles out? Well, let me tell you this. First of all, the local church should be like a spiritual dry cleaner. The pastor should preach the word of God and wash you with the water of the word of God on a weekly basis. You ought to stay in the word of God during the week because it's the washing of the water of the word. But you need to come to a church. If you're listening on social media, you need to find you a church where the pastor is preaching the word of God and that word will wash you as water. It'll wash your spiritual garments. And on top of that, we're talking about how do we get these spots and wrinkles out. The local church should be a spiritual dry cleaner. The pastor should preach the word of God and wash you with the water of the word. But the pastor should be a flame of fire. The Bible says ministers of God ought to be flames of fire. They should not be pablum pushing pulpiteers. They ought to be flames of fire. And pastors should be flames of fire. And they should preach under the fire of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and the heat of that anointed preaching should press out any wrinkles that you have in your spiritual garments. That's what they do, do at a dry cleaner. They put your garments under a hot press. And that's what should happen when you come to the local church. If you have any wrinkles in your garments, the, the fire of God, the power of God ought to come on me. And I ought to preach the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And that power, that fire of the Holy Ghost, it, it ought to press out any of the wrinkles that are in your garments. There should be a washing and a pressing that takes place every week when you come to church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know one man came to me one time after the power of God had come on me and I'd preached a message and he came up and he said, Pastor, the power of God, the fire of God was flowing so in the service today. He said, he said, I started sweating. He actually, he said, I was started sweating. He said, the, the, the fire of God. He said, I tell you what, that's the way it ought to be in the pulpits of America. Can you say amen? And then, of course, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we'll confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we miss it and we sin and, and our garments become spotted and wrinkled, the number one thing you do is you go to the throne of grace and find help in time of need and you, with a repentant heart, you confess that sin uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. You confess it to God and in a moment's time, the same blood that saved you, that same blood will wash that sin away as though it never was committed in the first place. Can you say amen? So how do you deal with spots and wrinkles? You deal with the spots and wrinkles and blemishes and the defilements by repenting of whatever sin it is and going to God and confessing that sin and asking Him to forgive you and He will forgive you. And it'll be washed. And, and I tell you what, the blood of Jesus and the water of the Word of God can do for your spiritual garments what that cleaner could not do for my suit. There's not a spot, there's not a wrinkle that the heavenly dry cleaner cannot get out. Don't try to get it out yourself. You'll just mess it up worse. Go to the throne of God. Go to the, go to the throne of Almighty God, to the throne of grace with a repentant heart and He'll wash you in that blood. He'll, He'll wash that garment of yours that has become spotted and wrinkled and all that. He'll wash those spots away. He'll wash those blemishes away. He'll wash that defilement away and you'll be white as snow again. You'll be clean as snow. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And attend a church where there's the fire of the Holy Ghost going out. And that'll press those wrinkles out. Glory to God. There's nothing like having a garment on that's clean and pressed and sharp. So why did I preach this message? So that you can have the glory of God in your life. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that you should be holy and without blemish before God. God wants to increase His glory in our lives. And as I've said, we can't have God's glory in spots and wrinkles at the same time. So let us examine ourselves, let us judge ourselves, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. From all sin. Stand with me if you would. If you're watching on social media and you've never had your garments cleaned ever. And your, your garments are like filthy rags. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. 
I want to encourage you right now to repent of your sins. The Bible says, who will ever call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you'll repent of your sins and cry out to Jesus and receive him, I tell you what, he'll come into your heart. He'll wash you clean. He'll give you a robe of righteousness, a gown of salvation. Tell you what, and you'll be white as snow. Glory to God. And then to any Christians out there or any in this room here, that, that you've allowed your garments to become spotted, wrinkled, defiled. I just want to encourage you, repent, have a change of heart, confess those sins to the Lord. And I tell you what, he'll wash them away and, and you'll, your garments will be clean again. Praise God forevermore and you'll walk with him in white for he will make you worthy. And then if you don't have a good local church, you find you let the Lord Jesus direct you to a good local church where, where the pastor will wash you with the word of God and the fire of the spirit of God is there. And I tell you what, let him press you and keep your garments without wrinkle. Glory to God. So, so you do that. And thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.